Praise God. Father, thank you always for the opportunity to worship you and to love you and to lift up your holy name. Your name is holy. Father, we thank you for your grace and mercy. The Christmas season reminds us, Lord, of the birth of Jesus. But we know, Lord, it was through your death and resurrection that we have eternal life. We thank God that he sent his only begotten son. And Lord, we're here to exalt your name this morning. And Father, we thank you for that opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen. I think what I'm about to preach to you this morning or teach, perhaps one of the most important lessons that I have delivered to the church. Do you have any tenants that need an eviction notice? Do you have any tenants that need an eviction notice? Luke chapter 13, verse 6, if you have your Bibles. Luke 13, 6 reads, He spake also this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came and sought fruit thereon and found none. Then said he unto the dresser of his vineyard, Behold, these three years... I come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. Why cumbereth it the ground? And he answering said unto him, Lord, let it alone this year also, till I shall dig about it and dung it. And if it bear fruit well, and if not, then after that thou shalt cut it down. The same verses in the Recovery Bible read this way. Then Jesus used this illustration. A man planted a fig tree in his garden and care again and again to see if there was any fruit on it, but he was always disappointed. Finally, he said to the gardener, I've waited three years and there hasn't been a single fig. Cut it down. It's taking up space we can use for something else. The gardener answered, give it one more chance. Leave it another year, and I'll give it special attention and plenty of fertilizer. If we get figs next year, fine. If not, you can cut it down. This particular verses refer to the fig tree being in Israel. And the three years refers to Jesus walking the earth in his ministry. And God was calling the Jewish people to repent. He was calling them to change. And after three years of ministry, of seeing the great works of Christ, seeing miracles, whole cities thronging out to him, the Father was saying, at this moment it seems useless that the Jewish people will repent. The gardener said, just one more year. And some people see that as the 
possible last six months to a year that Jesus walked the earth before crucifixion. And this parable to the Jewish people, them not wanting change, opened the door for the Gentiles, you and I, to be grafted into the tree, to become adopted sons and daughters of God. I would like to take this passage this morning and refer it to our personal lives and refer it to our future. I like the part in the Recovery Bible where it says it's taking up space. We have all heard this phrase. Don't let them rent space in your head. Don't let them rent space in your head. There are times when we allow the enemy of our soul to rent space in our head. It starts in a very small way. Sometimes it goes and begins in a small area. But eventually it turns into a big city, so to speak, in our head. It actually suffocates us. It envelops our thoughts and prevents us from progressing spiritually. Let me bring those three concepts to your soul this morning. When we allow the enemy or people to rent space in our head, it begins to suffocate us. It takes away our breath. It takes away our vitality. Because we allow it to envelop us. And what starts out as something small in your mind becomes a big city with a great wall around it and so on and so forth. And because this happens, the suffocation, because it envelops us, it prevents us from progressing spiritually and causes us to become stuck in the city of our mind while the enemy is having a heyday. Some things never change. Some things never change. Some situations and circumstances seem to always remain the same. Think about that for a moment. Same old, same old, we say. It doesn't matter if you put peanut butter on the top slice or the bottom. It's still a peanut butter sandwich. We call it the same old, same old. As a matter of fact, many times in working in the system for years, you say to someone, how are you doing? Same old, same old. Just a different day, Rev. Same old, same old, just a different day. Hmm. You see, when those circumstances and situations come into our lives and begin to remain the same, We wear ourselves out trying to fix them because we feel like there has to be a solution. We feel like there has to be an answer. And so what we do is what the certain man did who planted the fig tree in the vineyard. We fertilize, we water, and we even speak to it, but it remains the same. We claim it, we pray, 
We say this, we say that. But ultimately, we get tired of doing that because to ourselves, it seems like it's not working quick enough. So I have to fix it. And you know when we get involved in fixing a situation or a circumstance, it just gets worse. I made an analogy. It's like trying to fit into clothes we wore as teenagers. We say to ourselves, maybe next week or maybe next month, and that day never comes. We look at the same situation in 2017, 2018, 2019, and now we're going into 2020, and are we going to be looking at the same situations and circumstances that we've dealt with for years? I can't fit into those slacks anymore that I wore. I can put them in the closet. I can hope for the best, but I'll never be able to get them into my body. It becomes a plague. And I say it becomes a plague because it just continues to destroy. Because we wake up to these situations and we go to bed with these situations and circumstances that we want to change. We try to change. We try to fix it on our own. But we wake up to it and we go to the bed at night with the same circumstance and situation. All we're doing is fulfilling the definition of insanity. Doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. Think about some of the things we've already said. I say this morning, some things need to be thrown away. I said sometimes we need to throw things away. We sometimes have clutter in the attic. Sometimes we have clutter in the basement that needs to be removed from our lives. We say this, well, maybe I'll use it one of these days. But it's been there for 20 years. It's been there for 10 years. It's in a shoebox somewhere. It's in a piece of luggage. It's in a box that's corroding. That's turning into mildew. But we still say to ourselves, one of these days, one of these days, I'm going to use that. I'm going to need it. We do the same thing in our mind. We create clutter. We create junk in the attic. Praise God. It interferes with everyday living because we think about it constantly. And it interferes with our freedom in Christ. It hinders our relationships with other people, especially if we don't ask our brothers and sisters for help. Listen closely. To try to grind it out by yourself, to try to figure this thing out by yourself, by putting up your hands and say, I got this, which is a flat out lie, That's right. because we don't got this. Amen. None of us, praise God, without Christ. And believe it or not, we do need one another. To grind it out by yourself becomes frustrating and futile. That's why you need three things. You need faith, you need friendship, and you need fellowship among the church. Those are three words that are very important to ponder. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without friendship, you stay alone. If you want friends, 
the Bible says, be friendly. Mm, (laughs) And fellowship, that spiritual fellowship, that bond of breaking of bread, that bond of coming together and worshiping God and loving the Lord, allowing God to invade our soul and our spirit, giving God the opportunity to fix those things that are in the basement or in the attic of our mind. You see, we need each other, listen closely, to help sort out things in our lives that need to be kept or need to be thrown out. What are you saying? You know, sometimes we can't make decisions on our own. And you need someone else to help you make that decision to get rid of something or to keep something. Because you're going to just stare at it and say, well, maybe someday. No, it's not going to happen. It's not reality. All you're doing is fulfilling the definition of insanity. It's not going to change by you trying to fix it or you trying to ignore it or you trying to be in denial concerning the situation. Do you have any tenants that need an eviction notice? The Lord's moving van is always available to us. Stop striving, God is saying to us, and let him do the driving. Isaiah chapter 4 and verse 13 says, For I, the Lord God, will hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, Fear not, I will help thee. How many people are really asking God for help? How many people are continually wearing out themselves through disappointment, discouragement, and depression by reliving the same thing every day, every day, every day? And not really asking God for help. Jesus came on the scene one day and he said these words in John 7, 37. He said in the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried. He stood and cried. He stood and cried. Saying, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Why was Jesus standing there crying? Why was he so moved? Because he saw the situation of the Jewish people who did not want change. And he recognized that. And he offered them a solution. A solution that they would not accept. Even to this day, they're still waiting for the first coming of Jesus and the birth of Christ. And it's already been fulfilled. He gave a solution. A solution that we don't have within ourselves on our own. But he gave a spiritual solution. The rivers of living water. Here's a question. Do you have carryover? Do you have baggage from 2019 or even beyond? Think about it. Do you have carryover? Do you have baggage that you continue to walk with and drag you down? Do you have carryover or baggage from one year to the next without resolution or without peace? I want you to think about this this morning. 
Because I believe God is speaking to our hearts. Oh, yeah. You see, if you have carryover and baggage from the past that you're still dealing with and thinking about and have not allowed that to come to a solution through Christ and through the rivers of living water, it's a bad investment. It's a bad investment if your carryover or baggage isn't bringing a dividend or compound interest spiritually. It's a bad investment. <laughs> it's like putting your money in the toilet and flushing it. It's a bad investment. But so many people are engaging in a bad investment. It's a debit and not an asset. It's a withdrawal and not a deposit. Listen, we have to empty our account of any carryover or baggage that has been weighing us down from last year or from the past. You got to balance it. You got to get rid of the junk. We got to clear out the basement and the attic. And we cannot continue to allow the enemy of our soul to rent space in our head, making us believe that this situation is impossible for God. No, it's not. No, it's not. What happens when we allow this carryover and this baggage to continue in our future? I call it the same old story from the past. The same old story from the past will not work in 2020. God is expecting more from us. We can't work for God adequately if we're bogged down. We can't work for God adequately if we're weighed down with carryover and baggage. We can't work for God adequately and be all that he expects us to be if we allow the enemy to encircle us and to envelop us and to suffocate us and take the very breath out of our spirit. The scripture above the rivers of living water gives me a picture that the Lord provided for me spiritually. Here's what I see. I see a gushing and overflowing river that comes from God, that desires to invade, listen to the word, that desires to invade my innermost being. But I see this. I see obstacles in the river. I see big rocks. I see fallen trees. I see debris. And I see dead, dead animals in the way. I believe what God is saying to you and me this morning is this. I believe God is saying if we hear his cry, which really means a shriek or a scream, and allow his Holy Spirit to invade our lives, he will wash away, praise God, and take out everything that's in our way and give us a clear path from the past. A lot of people don't want that river to work. A lot of people are saved and satisfied. A lot of people are on a maintenance program, sitting on the fence, waiting for Jesus. They seem like they have been put into a stupor. Like, this is all I need. Don't bring this to me. Because I don't believe it. Well, you see, the Jews didn't believe it either, over 2,000 years ago. 
And all he was saying to them was, I want change. And it's the same today. Trying to bring the power of the Holy Spirit to people. They fight you. They reject you. They close down. And they allow the enemy to rent space in their head saying, that's not for today. Who says? Who says that it's not for today? Who made us God? Who made us the editor of the Bible? Who made us the person that takes the Bible and the manuscript of God and change it for our benefit? Because we're afraid and we have fear and we really don't want the attic and the basement cleared out. Because this is what happens when we don't allow God's river to clear us out. All this junk becomes our story. Let me stop here for a moment. These obstacles in the river is our story. The dead animals, the, the broken trees, the rocks, the debris, it becomes our story. And when we meet someone, instead of giving them something from the river that's fresh and new, something that's nutritious, something that's productive, we tell them our story. We tell them about the dead animals in the river. We tell them about the pop cans that are floating in the water. And that represents our hurts, our pain, our burnout, our disappointments. And these things keep us from moving on in Jesus. And it becomes our story. And so when you come into someone's space, they already know your story because you already told them. As a matter of fact, some people tell their story so much because it's the story of the past. It's their pain. It's their hurt. It's their brokenness. It's their heartache. And they want to tell you again. And what are they really looking for? What they're really looking for is, I want to keep this in the cardboard box in my basement. And I want to keep this box in my attic because this is my identification. That's not our identification, my friend. We're sons and daughters of God. People are going around allowing these obstacles to get in the way of God. I, I don't think we can do business as usual in the new year as there will be more challenges and more spiritual warfare for each of us. We can't hold on to the old story. We're new creatures in Christ. And the old story will not bring someone to Christ unless we allow that to become a testimony in a positive way, saying, I am free by the blood of Jesus Christ and by the name of the Lord and through the power of the cross. Praise God, I have been forgiven. Amen. It's time that we allow the river of God to flow through us. It's time to allow God to clean us out and in the place of carryover and baggage, give us something different, a new hope, a new vision, a new song, and a new way of living. Vision, praise God, dictates to us direction somewhere. There's no future in the past. There's no future in the basement or in the attic. There's no future. But so many people are living there. And they're believing this is God's will for their life, to be punished, to be condemned, to be accused, to relive their past, their sins, whatever. This is not the gospel that I read in the Bible. This is not the Jesus that I know. 
He's a forgiving God, a long-suffering God. He's a God that puts our sins in the seal of forgetfulness. He wants to take that cardboard box, praise God, hallelujah. He wants to take the tenants that are in your head, hallelujah. And he wants to give them an eviction notice and say in the name of Jesus Christ, you do not belong here. This is my child, my son, my daughter. Hope, vision dictates a destination. When you lose hope, you have no destination. When you lose vision, you have no destination. You're staying right where you are. I don't care how many motivational talks someone gives you. I don't care how many times someone points their finger in your face. You're staying where you are. Because vision dictates direction, a destination that we can go to. Praise God. We must come out of the cave of the past. And we must step into his presence and share new things with each other and with others who don't know him. New things. So many relationships are really stale. And to be quite frank and honest with you, so many relationships are boring. Because you know what you're going to get. It's going to be the same old, same old. It's peanut butter and jelly. Peanut butter and jelly. And it's like, you know, sometimes... A chicken salad sandwich tastes really good with a nice slice of onion on it. Man, I'm telling you, it's really good. Sometimes tuna, you know, with a little slice of onion on it or toasted bread and a cup of tea. Man, it just makes me happy. I'm easy. You know what I'm saying? But when you know you're going to get the same old menu, when you know you're going to get the same old, same old, it doesn't do anything for your spirit. All it tells you is this, that some people or we are not allowing the river of God to clear out the dead animals, the pop cans, the debris, the broken branches and the trees that are in the river that become obstacles. We stay stuck. (laughs) We must ask ourselves the following question, and this is an important. When people leave my presence, will they leave encouraged or down? Will they be uplifted or depressed and discouraged? And those are two important questions. When someone leaves your presence, how do they leave? Do they leave with their head down and saying, man, why did I even bother? Why did I even have a conversation with that person? Listen, negativity is contagious. And sometimes people get offended when you say to them, listen, I really love you, but I can't be around negative. And they get offended because all they're doing is spewing nonsense into your spirit that you're going to walk away with and say, man, alive, is there any hope? Is there any hope for any of us? And this happens to us because negativity is contagious. And it takes out people. It just takes out, it takes out families. And they get on each other's nerves and they attack each other. And they accuse and they condemn and they begin to point the finger. And it's like, what kind of environment is that to produce something spiritual? The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. And behold, all things are become new. What's God saying here? Listen. Listen. I know Rome wasn't built in a day. 
And when we come to Christ, we're saved and we're forgiven. But then it's the journey yeah. of getting rid of the carryover, of getting rid of the baggage, of getting rid of the guilt and the condemnation and all that nonsense that the enemy wants to put on you and strap to your back and to your soul and to your spirit. And God says, I want to free you from that. And it's a process. As we move toward the Holy Spirit, as we allow that river of God to come into our spirit, to clear us out, it does take time. It does take time. But we come to a place in history that we're living in now where I believe God wants to do a quick work. I I believe God is saying this to us as a church and as individual people. Do you have anything new? Do you have anything new? Let's allow God to make a spiritual deposit in our lives that we may be able to put something valuable in each other's account. Look at your life as a spiritual account. I want to bring something spiritual into your life this morning as a pastor. I want to make a deposit, not a withdrawal. I want to make an asset, not a debit. I want to bring something valuable. I want to bring some wisdom and knowledge and silver and gold of the Bible to you. So that when you walk out this building, no matter what situation you're looking at at the moment, you can say, I have some hope. I have some clarity. I have God. I have the rivers of living water in my soul. Praise God. I like dividends. And I like compound interest that comes from above. It's his wisdom. It's his knowledge that are the gold and silver of the Bible. My account is open. And as brothers and sisters in Christ, we have access to each other's account. What will you deposit in my account? What will I deposit in your account? Make a deposit and not a withdrawal today. What will you deposit in your husband's account, in your friend's account? What will you deposit in your child's account? Will it be a debit or will it be an asset? Think about it. We live such individual lives. We don't even allow people to make a deposit into our lives because we're so busy and we're so cluttered and we're so trying to figure out life and we're trying to figure out why we're here and where we're going. When God says, you have me, you have the Holy Spirit, and you have your brothers and sisters who can make a deposit in your life if you dare to ask them for help. You'll feel good about being a Christian. I don't know how you feel, but when I meet with someone or have lunch with someone or have a coffee with someone, and I know they're struggling, they don't need to hear my story. They don't need to hear what I'm going through at the moment. But I like to listen closely and say, God, what wisdom, what knowledge, what silver and gold from the Bible can I give to this person and make a deposit in their account that when they leave my presence, they're going to feel I'm happy that I spoke to this man today in Christ. I'm happy that I had a coffee or a lunch. Although my situation hasn't changed, I feel better about the future. I feel better about the answer that will come because I have some hope and I have some vision. God is continually trying to write a new book about our lives. (laughs) You see the page that was written yesterday is over. It's recorded. God is continually trying to write a new book about our lives. The conflict involves getting the old book out of the way. 
I used to do an exercise with my girls in the substance abuse program in the prison. And I would counsel with them. I would say to them during the counseling, I said, go get a book out of the bookcase there. And they would think, well, what's going on? We're going to read? <laughs> and I said, see this book? This is the book of your life. This is all the pain, all the hurt, all the obstacles, all the condemnation, all the accusatory spirits, all the people saying you're a bad mom, you're a bad daughter, you're bad this. I said, put that book back in the bookcase. Now go get me another book. And they would bring me another book. And I said, I want you to make believe the pages in this book are blank. Are blank. There's nothing in it. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. And I would challenge them to go back to their place in the unit and make a book cover. A title for their book and make a book cover like an artist. I would challenge them. I said, this is your new book. If you know you have Christ in your life, you're a new creature in Christ. The old book, the old ways are gone. Praise God. And now it's time for you to allow God to write in that new book. Hallelujah. Praise God. And I want you to make a cover. Hallelujah. And a nice cover. Whatever. You're so, these girls were so artistic. And put a title. And it's your title. It's your book. It's your cover. And it's your new story. What a vision. What a vision. What a hope. Are we any different? The conflict involves getting the old book out of the way. What issues of the heart are you wrestling with this morning? I want you to ponder as I bring you a few questions. What do you talk to yourself about daily? This is a very important, intrusive question. Because there's some guy up there in your attic that you're talking to every day. What are you talking to yourself about daily? What's the videotape? What's the replay? What situation? What circumstance? What hurt? What pain? Tell me. Tell yourself. Answer the question. Don't try to deny it. Don't try to put it out of your mind and say, well, I, I'm okay. No, we're not. We're imperfect. We need Christ. It's like Bob used to say, it's the onion. We have to allow God to peel the layers of the onion. And when we begin to peel the layers of the onion, tears come to our eyes. And it's the ministry of tears, praise God, that cleans us out sometimes. It's the ministry of tears. And so many have forgotten how to cry anymore. We're so reserved. We're so resolved. We're so tight. We're so just inflexible. That we don't allow God to allow us to cry. We teach our young boys to grow up to be men and suck it up. No. You can still be a man and you can still know how to cry. I've seen some of the biggest men on a football field. I've seen great athletes, great orators, Great leaders break down and cry. Did that make them less of a man? Absolutely not. What are we teaching our children? To shut up their emotions? To put a, 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 a stopgap on it? To not allow the ministry of tears? 
It's wrong. It's not teaching them to share their emotions. And they'll bottle that up. And it will turn to anger. And one day they will grow up and that'll be the cardboard box in their basement or in their attic that we had never allowed them to express. What do you talk to yourself about daily? How do you guard your heart? I want you to employ the acronym F.A.T. It's called FAT. We have things in our life that we have to deal with every day. And there's things in our life from the past that if we don't deal with it, it will deal with us eventually. So the F stands for this. File with satisfactory conclusion and come to terms spiritually with it. There's some things in our lives that we have to file. But we have to file them with satisfactory conclusion coming to terms spiritually. The A stands for act. That's a verb. With biblical reasoning leading to a spiritual transformation. Some things we have to file and some things we have to act on. And act means, praise God, biblical reasoning leading to spiritual transformation. That's why we need the word of God the Holy Spirit, and brothers and sisters to make deposits in our life so that we can reason biblically to come to a spiritual transformation and answer about a particular or specific situation. And T is to throw out accusatory or condemning conversation, which so many people engage in within their minds. One of the most glaring descriptions that I saw, especially with women in substance abuse, was the guilt and the condemnation and the accusatory spirits that came against them as they entered our program. I would see them walk across campus coming in off the bus bringing tears to your eyes, seeing them carrying their physical belongings of life. But I saw something that they didn't know they were dragging. I saw them dragging another bag, invisible to them, but visible to me as a pastor. Condemnation, guilt, accusation. I'm a bad mother. I'm a failure. I haven't been good for my kids. I don't even deserve life. Boy, I tell you, that was a challenge to be a chapel. To try to bring them to the place in Christ where they started to believe that God will forgive us. That we can get rid of that bag that we're dragging. And I would say to them, what good is it to go to a 90-day program leaving the same way you came in? Spiritually, we can change. And through Christ, we can become new creatures. And I saw transformation. I saw people change. I saw people sing a new song. Because what does God say to us? 
In Psalm 40 and verse 3, And he hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God, and many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. It was a challenge to challenge them to ask God for a new song in their life. I looked up the word new in Hebrew, and it means a new thing. It means something fresh. It means to be new. But it's a song that God wants to give you that desires to renew you. A song that desires to repair you. A song that desires to make you anew. A song that that desires to renew yourself. This is the kind of song. It's kind of like, you know, we we sing songs in, in the morning here. But there's particular songs sometimes when you come into this church that's just ring a bell in your ear and, and the other songs were nice and we and we sang them they were good but then that one song praise God all of a sudden the Shekinah glory of God begins to fall because God brings that new song to the congregation and he's saying I'm renewing you I'm repairing you I'm helping you I'm healing you I'm giving you that new song right now in the name of Jesus Christ I inhabit this the praises of my people this is our God This is our God. Not what lives in the attic. Not what lives in the basement. This is our God. He's a God of new. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Now. Not the past. It's over. It's a new book. It's a new day. It's a new song. He said in Psalm 144 and 9, I will sing a new song unto thee, O God. I will sing a new song unto thee, O God. One of the problems with people is when they get depressed, they forget to sing a song. They allow the enemy to shut their mouth with spiritual duct tape from hell. I don't feel like it. Do it. Start in the flesh if you have to. But you will end up in the spirit if you wait long enough upon God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Praise God. The Bible says David encouraged himself in the Lord. How did he do it? He played the harp. He sang songs unto the Lord. Even when his enemies were trying to envelop him. He said, God, let me not be ashamed. Let me not be overcome. And he sang those songs. He sang those songs to King Saul when he played music. To calm Saul down. <laughs> praise God. People forget that. Psalm 149, 1 says, Praise ye the Lord. Sing unto the Lord a new song and his praise in the congregation of saints. I worry about people that keep their hands in their pocket and can't praise God. Because they go out the door the same way they came in. And their story continues. Woe is me. Woe is me. But you don't even want help. You don't, you don't even want God to make a deposit in your account. How can I? I'm just a lowly preacher. I'm just a lowly human. Trying his best to follow God and his anointing to bring something. But when we close God out and we refuse to praise God and sing a song unto our God, there's something wrong with your salvation. <laughs> There's, some, there's something wrong with your spirit, man. That's true. Because you just want to remain the same old, same old. 
And you want to go home and you want to hug that cardboard box. And you want to get with one or two other people and say, here, here's my story. It's just like yours. Woe is me. <laughs> the answer isn't in drugs. It's not in alcohol. It's not in the things of this world. Because eventually that will all disappear. It'll all burn off. In a hundred years, none of us will be here. That's a somber thought. We won't be here. Some sooner, some later, whatever. Only what we do for Christ is going to count. Let me close with a few thoughts. What will be your new song in 2020? Will it bring satisfaction and conclusion to your life? Will it help you, will it help you to come to terms spiritually? Will it lead to spiritual transformation? Will it eliminate and throw out accusatory or condemning conversation? Will your new song inspire others to new vision and hope for their lives? Will it make a deposit in the account of your brothers and sisters in Christ? When people leave your presence in 2020, will your new song encourage and inspire them to want to do great things for God? I'd like to read to you a prophecy that the Lord gave me some time ago. You've seen it before. And the prophecy went like this. I see a coming out, a coming forth from the place you were or the place you are to the place of being, the place of life, new life. I'm removing the restraints that hold you back, that keep you from moving forward. This is your time, your hour, your moment. I desire to break the hold of fear, anguish, and despair from your life. I desire to unshackle your spirit. It is as if a snake has constricted your spirit and caused you to lose your breath, your joy, your praise. This snake has caused a spirit of suffocation in your life. You will find yourself trying to catch your breath in the natural, but that is only indicative of trying to catch your breath in the spiritual. I will remove the tent posts of your tents and enlarge your place of habitation if you let me. Come unto me. And I will offer you new life and prosperity in body, soul, and spirit. You have been encased by your own emotions, and I desire to bring you forth in song and praise. Your joy will once again rise to the mountaintop, and your praise will be heard in the horizon. I love you so dearly, and my heart is enlarged towards you as I have seen your despair and discouragement. I have heard your cry and I will bring you forth into the land of the living, into my spirit of resurrection. Don't beat yourself for being stuck. I have kept you even there by my spirit. Now it's time to move on and make up for lost time. You see, time is short, and I will do a quick work in the lives of those who allow their spirit to align with me. There's no reason to stay in the place of yesterday because now you can come into my presence and be in the place of my spirit. I will cover you and hide you in the secret place and nourish you to go forth like a mighty wind, like a ferocious lion, like a mighty army. Come with me, follow me, and you will not be disappointed. 
Stay stuck and you will die in your despair. Fight. Take hold of my hand and allow me to continue and complete your journey. Choice is involved here. Choose life or choose death. I believe that to be a powerful prophecy the Lord gave. What's God saying this morning? We have work to do. We have hope to bring to other people through Christ. We have vision that has a destination attached to it. And we have purpose and cause that God wants to bring to us individually and collectively as a church. Don't let the enemy tell you because you are at a certain season or a certain situation in life or a certain age that life's over. I adjure you to read Psalm 71 if you're older and to look at some of the words that God has promised to us even in our old age. We can be vital forces for God no matter how young or old we are. But we will never become that vital force until we remove the carryover and the baggage from the past. You can remain to stay stuck, as God says. You can stay there. You can choose life, or you can choose death. It's up to you. It's up to me. I want 2020 to be the greatest year of my life. I want 2020 to be a year of inspiration, a year of divine decision-making, a year of divine appointment, a year that God will take us to a place that we've never been to before spiritually. I pray that the words that we have heard this morning, that perhaps other people will hear through this teaching, will inspire them spiritually to allow the rivers of God to flow through and clear that path so that we can have peace and tranquility in our body, soul, and spirit. Father, I thank you for this opportunity that you've given to us this morning. I thank you, Father, for the words that you have provided. And Father God, in Jesus' name, we give you the glory and the honor. In Christ's name, amen. amen. God bless you.